0: Ephesians chapter 5, the text will be on the screen, but it also is nice to have your Bibles open in front of you if you would like, uh, and we'll be reading uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 28. The Apostle Paul starts, or writes, I suppose, be very careful then how you will live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as for the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. And now as the church submits to God, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves loves his wife loves himself. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, this passage goes on, And uh, talks about children and parents and, you know, this is sort of interesting. I chose this passage for a reason, actually. Um, I like the idea, our key verse is verse 21, where it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Um, But this passage sort of gets people a little revved up, doesn't it? Um, Some of us interpret this very differently than others. Some of you actually right now are sort of wondering where I'm going to go with this. Um, You're already sort of on edge, thinking, ooh, what's the pastor going to say? You know? Um, I I take great pride in not uh, letting people know where I stand too much on one issue or another. I don't like people putting me in a box. Um, Some of you are wondering, is is the pastor more liberal, more conservative? Where is he going to go? What's he going to say? I chose this passage, though, because I didn't just want to stop at verse 21 and ignore what he says. Paul writes this for a reason, and indeed, we're talking about one another, we're talking about growing together as a church, and we need to talk about some of these passages that actually divide us as a church, you know? And so first, let me just tell you where I stand. I stand for holiness and the pursuit of God among all of us, okay? So we need to talk about it if it's in the scriptures. Second, scripture is actually meant to unify, not to divide, And so we cannot let a passage that has historically been used for one thing or another keep us from worshiping together. And so we go through this difficult text together, um, and I think by the end we will be able to find good common ground in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so let me start then with verses 15 to 20. Uh, It's pretty straightforward. Many of us have read this passage before. It starts with talking about just much like last week, living by the Spirit. You know, last week we were in Galatians, the week before Romans, and and Paul, as he writes to these churches in the first century, is constantly encouraging and admonishing the church to live by the Spirit. And actually, we see a great pattern in Paul's writing, right? He he greets the churches, and then he acknowledges some sort of problem or struggle they're going through, points them to Jesus, their first love, the truth which, which they have found in Jesus Christ and then encourages them to live in a holy way after the Holy Spirit and find unity. This is the same pattern we see in the book of Ephesus. And here, as Paul gets to his last you know, third of the letter in chapter five and six, his big push is for unity in the Spirit of God. And so, Paul writes, hey, be careful how you live. Don't go out there getting drunk, which leads to all sorts of problems, but instead, instead of filling yourself with drink, fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. Put Christ first. See the contrast? Not only is it a good idea not to be drunk all the time, but it's, it's a very clear metaphor as well. He's saying, listen, you can do one of two things. The world tells you to go out there and put in, essentially, what the world gives. Which leads to debauchery, which leads to sin, which leads to hardship, which leads to disunity. But what Christ has told us to do is to instead of filling ourselves with what the world tells us we ought to fill ourselves with power, money, control, wealth, whatever that we should fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit and that we should show this spirit filled life with songs and with psalms and giving thanks and everything. See the contrast? When we fill ourselves with what the world has, the outcome is division and sin. When we fill ourselves with what God has through the power of the Spirit, the outcome is unity and thankfulness in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, he says, we can, when we do these things, give thanks for all things in Jesus Christ, living according to the Spirit, following the example of Jesus. This is language we see all over the New Testament. So, Paul says, if this is all true and this is our direction as a church, what should we do? Verse 21, submit to one another out of this reverence for Christ. And this is where the difficulty begins. First, he says, out of reverence. Another way this is written in Scripture is is a fear of the Lord, right? This this sort of awe, A-W-E in English. This sort of, you know, proverb says that all wisdom begins with a fear of the Lord. Now, this is not being scared, but the analogy I always use is think of someone when you were young that you admired, right? For me, I think of my grandfather. I was a little bit scared of him, (laughs) but he was a good man, and I loved him dearly, and I never wanted to disappoint him. Think of someone that maybe you had in your life like that, and maybe if you haven't had someone, look for someone like that. But this is the example I always use when we hear about reverence. Out of reverence for this person who means so much to you, submit to one another. And so he's saying to the church here, because of Christ, who Jesus Christ is and was, we submit to one another. Now, let me just clarify this in case you don't know, in case you haven't heard. Um, We believe as Christians that there was this man named Jesus Christ and that Jesus lived a perfect life. He served the people around him. He suffered, bled, and died for us. And because of his sacrifice, we are in fact seen as righteous before God. Our sins are indeed forgiven in his name because he rose from the dead to be seated at the right hand of God and intercedes on our behalf. And so that means then that when it's talking about this, why do we do this for Christ? Because Christ did this first for us. That Christ submitted himself for you and for me. This is a fundamental belief of the Christian church. And so before we can ever get to submitting to one another, before we ever even get to these relationships between people, wives and husbands and children and parents and all the things it talks about, we need to understand where we all stand in the name of Jesus, and that is we are equal. That Christ has died for each of us equally, that we all needed the same amount of forgiveness and grace, which is a lot. And so... We are reverent to Christ because we who deserve no standing and no forgiveness find unending grace in Jesus Christ. We find peace in Jesus Christ. We find strength in Jesus Christ, all because of this sacrifice that he did freely for you and I. And in light of all of that, we begin to talk about submission. And Paul uses the example of the family first. In verse 22, he begins, verse 22 and 23, he begins talking about wives and husbands. Now, some of you may have seen this uh, movie, um, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Um, if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to watch it. It's fantastic. Um, but in this movie, they talk about, you know, the husband being the head of the family, but the wife is the neck. And that the husband may be the head of the family, but the wife is the neck and gets to point and do whatever she wants with the head, Right? Actually, I was just in the Czech Republic, if you've never heard that before, it's, it's, it's from this movie, but it's also a, 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 a popular saying in the Czech Republic. A friend of mine uh, in the Czech Republic, he's married, and uh, they're expecting a baby any day now, actually, and he was explaining this to me, too. This is sort of a, a famous Czech proverb that, you know, men kind of put on bravado and think they're the head of everything, and they're in charge of everything, but really, it's, it's the women who are the ones directing everything from the household side. Um, maybe maybe many other cultures have similar sayings. But what's funny to me about some of these sayings is they're actually quite biblical. Uh, There is a mystery to marriage, according to Scripture, and it mentions it here. Um, As you keep reading down in verses 31 and 32 of Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about this mystery. Um, But there's a mystery to marriage. It first comes up in, in the book of Genesis chapter 2. It says in scriptures that the man should leave his parents and and, and marry his wife, and that the two become one flesh. The two become one. Now, while that's a great image, it's not totally true in the sense that you're still a unique individual person, right? Um, Some of you know my wife, Jenna, and there are some areas where we're very similar, but there are some areas where we're very different. And one of these areas is in our chosen professions. My wife is an attorney, which is very different than a pastor. Um, and and even though we're married, it it doesn't mean that we all of a sudden now have the same passions, the same desires, the same knowledge, (laughs) right? I wish I had access into her very vast array of knowledge, but I don't. I don't understand much about lawyering and all of the words she uses. Um, We're still individuals. Even though there's this mystery of becoming one flesh in marriage, we're still individuals. Uh, There's a mystery to it, how this works. And there's a mystical thing happening here that Paul is talking about, not only between all of us as brothers and sisters in Christ and the church, but he uses the analogy of marriage as one body. He says the husband is the head. And if you do a Greek study on this word, if you do a Greek study on what he's talking about, you will find nothing that says that the husband is the authoritative leader. You will find nothing that says that he is the end-all and be-all decision-maker. You will find nothing that says that women have to do everything he says. It just simply says that in the analogy of the body, the husband is the head. Which is interesting, and we're going to talk about that in a minute as we get to it. But in verse 24, he continues and says, So then, wives, submit to your husbands out of love and service, as the church does to Christ. And even then, men, husbands, whatever, you may be thinking, uh, wow, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. But have you ever been compared to something that made you really uncomfortable? Someone tells you how great you are or how wonderful you are. Um... Some people may like that. It makes me really uncomfortable. I read this and I get super uncomfortable because you know what Paul's doing? <laughs> He's comparing us to Christ. <laughs> He's comparing us to Christ and he says, hey, um, husbands, your wives are going to submit to you and you're going to be the head of your family, but, but just a heads up, um, you have to be just like Jesus. Jesus. Okay, you have to follow his example. You have to live a selfless, loving life where if anyone comes to you, you are willing to give them the shirt off of your back and go shirtless because that's the example Jesus set. I don't know you, but I know me, and comparing me to Jesus is a very inadequate comparison. It makes me very uncomfortable. And Paul actually continues with this metaphor, and he continues to pound it a little bit in verse 25 through 28, and he says, listen, husbands, you need to understand something. You need to love. You need to give yourself up. You need to do everything for your wife, for her sake, as Christ did everything for the church. Everything. So in the same way, you need to love this person that you have joined with. I want you to think about this with me for a second. You know, what Paul is saying, some people have interpreted this as a very um, patriarchal household, a very male-dominated thing, and really, actually, if you look at Roman society in the time he was writing this, it's actually a very progressive, countercultural thing Paul is saying. In the Roman world, women had very little to no rights. Um, one great example of this is adultery. Now, adultery in the Roman world, um, for a woman, she could have no affairs, no relationships with any other men but her husband. But for a man, a man could sleep with anyone as long as she wasn't married. So a man could have multiple relationships, multiple, you know, um, mistresses, multiple people, and as long as that woman he was with wasn't married, well, it's no big deal. Women had almost no standing in marriage. Cicero, a famous Roman philosopher, once wrote concerning the rule and how to be Roman, how to be a good man, he wrote this, everything comes down to this, that you rule yourself not to do anything in a base, timid, ignoble, slave-like, or womanish way. Cicero thought so poorly of women as a Roman philosopher that he said, men, you want to do nothing in a womanish way. Women were not well thought of and we're certainly not seen as equals to men. And Paul is telling the men in the church with this metaphor, to love your wife as you love yourself. You are no greater than her, you hold no higher standing than her, and indeed you are one body, and you are both in submission to one another under the authority of Jesus Christ. He says the Roman understanding of women is wrong. You will lift up your wife and care for her the same way Christ cared for us with your very life. He says, in fact, women should be equal and loved in this equal light of Jesus Christ because Christ shows no favoritism and neither should we. He goes on, if you continue reading in, in verses 29 to 33, say, hey, this is a mystery, this marriage thing, this union, uh, but, but realize that, that this metaphor of two becoming one, he uses to to shed light on our relationship with one another and in the church. That we believe God is in control, and therefore that if we are going to live by the Spirit, if we are going to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, that we need to do this in the same way as husbands should lay down their wives, or lay down their lives for their wives. That we would all actually be like one body working together in mutual submission. It really bums me out that men have used passages like this to oppress people, to subjugate people. This is not a text about that. This is a text, as far as I can read, about unity in the church with the metaphor of marriage, about how a godly relationship can actually model God's love for you and I. How how, how we can find mutual submission and honoring and serving one another with our whole lives. And that this is not just a good idea, but this is in fact God's plan for us, that we would all be equal, that there would be no favoritism, that there would be no hierarchy. And even still, you, you, if you look down, you see it in verse 32. This isn't what he's saying. St- marriage is not the purpose. He says, even still, I'm talking, about the, I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about how important it is for the two of you, for all of you, to be submissive to one another. In fact, if you read through this whole passage in Ephesians 5, there's only two commands. The other ones are suggestions. There's only two commands Paul gives. And the two commands are don't be drunk and live by the Holy Spirit. All these other things are subsets of how to live by the Holy Spirit. So don't get, don't get held up on the metaphor. Or don't get held up on, well, what does this mean for me in my marriage? Or I'm not even married. Does that mean I qualify? Does this even matter to me? Of course it does. The priority here is living by the Spirit and submitting to one another. And I need to make a note here. In today's day and age, this is again something that makes me sad, but it's it's very important to say we as Christians, um, I would never say that in a marriage that is abusive, in a marriage that is hurtful, that there should be submission when one person is not living according to Jesus. In the same way, if you have a friendship, if you have a relationship, if you have... a some sort of relationship where a person is hurting you actively, that does not mean you should submit to them in the name of Jesus Christ if you are being hurt. This is only when we're talking about when we are both on the same page trying to love Jesus Christ. If there is someone in our life that is abusive, that is hurtful, that is selfish, that is hateful towards us over and over again, I want to be clear. As Christians, we are not carpets to be walked on, but children of God called to live holy lives. And so when it comes to submission, please do not hear that we as Christians talk about living in submission to one another no matter what. This is with a mutual understanding of Jesus Christ as the king and that we are all pursuing life in the spirit together. Because as you read on, you'll see he talks about parents and children and slaves and masters and what he's talking about is a mutual submission that we both, Andy talked this morning about honoring one another, how we bow to one another, you know, some of you may come from Asian cultures where you bow to one another, and depending on the age or the respect or level of reverence, you bow even deeper. Um, he, he talked about this idea of honoring. This is this idea that we're both coming together as brothers and sisters in Christ to honor one another. And Paul uses the example in the metaphor of marriage because this is one of the number one ways we learn this, to be selfless, to live for another person. So what do we do about it? Well, first, let me just remind us all too that this is not um, prescriptive. If you are in this room and you are not married, you've chosen not to be married, or you, you, you desire to be married but you're not, this is not something that we have to have. Um, I know many people who have felt like in the church they feel like a, a second-class citizen because they're not married or they were never chose to be married. That is not our belief. Paul simply uses this as a metaphor. Um, we can learn this way in relationships. We can learn this way with friendships. We can learn this way with family. This is simply an example he uses. As I say, it is descriptive, not prescriptive. To live a life by the Spirit does not require that you are married. Okay, so let me affirm you in that, if that is a fear of yours. So as we wrap up here, I just want to ask, what do we do about this? How do we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ? Uh, Let me suggest this. I don't know how often you think about this. We talked about it in my time with the youth group this morning at church. Do you realize how lucky we are? (laughs) I mean, really, outside of, you know, maybe you come from a difficult situation, but for all of us to be in Switzerland living here now, we're very privileged. We're in a safe place. We're free to worship. Many of us make a nice wage, have a nice education. Um, We have very... We have a huge list of things to be thankful for. However, as Christians, we have this privilege, we have these things we're very fortunate to have, and our sin nature inside of us actually tries to trick us and tell us that we deserve these things. You worked hard, you've earned them. It's your right. And that may be true, you have worked hard, and that's okay. Maybe we cling to wealth, or status, or safety. Maybe we cling to our time and our gifts under the assumption of being responsible, but we really don't want to share. And, and let me just say that this privilege, these things that we have that we're so lucky to have, they're not bad things. You know, I've been really wrestling with this idea of privilege. Um, to be honest with you, as a, <laughs> as a, as a white male, <laughs> I have really been thinking about this idea of privilege a lot. And talk to a lot of people to try to learn what this means, uh, and it's not a bad thing, in the sense that I can't control how I was born, I can't control where I was born. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate to have been born in, in a Western country in America. I'm very lucky. You know, I was talking with a friend of mine um, who has darker skin than me, and and there are certain things that just I'm lucky. If I get stopped by the police, I'm treated very differently than him. It ju- it's just how it is, right? There are certain things, certain privileges we have in life that. They're not bad things. The question becomes, what are you doing with those things you've been given? Are you submitting to God and to one another with these gifts you've been given? Maybe it's gifts, maybe it's talents, maybe it's education, maybe it's where you come from. If you look at the example of Jesus Christ and you read through the Gospels, you realize he didn't have all that much. He came from a small town, probably didn't have a lot of money. It says that there was nothing physically that, we would have, that would draw us to him. He was probably average height, probably blended into a crowd. But he had holiness, he had authority, he had power, he had teaching gifts, and he sacrificed them all for you and I. And I want you to consider this as you think about submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I read this on a blog as I was studying this passage and thinking about this, and, and one writer says this. Husbands in the Roman world, and in Ephesus especially, men had all the rights and all the privilege. And not much has changed since today. <laughs> many of us have all rights and all privilege that many people don't have in this world. And this writer said this So then, think about this out of reverence for Christ, we are invited to follow the lead of Jesus and sacrifice all of our privilege sacrifice all of our rights, to crucify the gifts we've been given that we cling to out of selfishness, put them to death, and submit to one another as we do to Christ. Church, Jesus invites us, Paul invites us to find unity in the church by submitting to one another. What do you have? What are the gifts you've been given? What are the things you can share with this world? How can you serve your neighbor? Are you willing to sacrifice your privilege and all the things you've been giving in the name of Jesus for one another to put others' needs ahead of your own? (laughs) And put some specific things that are really poignant for today. In work, men, are you willing to stand up for women in your workplace who may not be treated or paid as fairly? Or maybe you're treated very differently? In your Swiss culture, are you willing to stand up for a Muslim or a Hindu in your neighborhood who is being judged based on a faith that is different than most? In your relationships, are you willing to give all people the dignity that a child of God deserves no matter what? Are you willing to sacrifice your status for the sake of someone else? I read scripture. And when I read it, I see that there is a huge push for unity. In church, we cannot have unity if we cling to these things and think that we have deserved them, if we think that we have earned them. We look at this and we realize we are all equal. And Christ calls us to submit to one another out of reverence for him, to lay our lives down for one another out of reverence to him, that we are all equal. This is not a passage about men dominating women. This is not a passage about you being greater than anyone else. This is a passage on how you should lay your very life down for the person across from you. And even more so within the family of faith. Because we are on the same page. We are all pursuing this life of the Holy Spirit. Where we would be thankful people that we would give our lives the way Jesus did. Because this is how Jesus accomplished it. Jesus showed us this was possible. He went around and gave all of himself to his followers that we could give all of ourselves to others. And so that is our charge. For the sake of holiness, for you and for your neighbor, what can you give as Christ gave? Because Christ gave all. That you and I would not only be holy, that you and I would not only see his grace lived out, but that we would experience the very kingdom of God on earth. And that is a promise from our Lord and Savior. Please pray with me. Lord God, we ask now that you would convict us and make us uncomfortable of the things we are clinging to. God, that you would remind us of your sacrifice through Jesus Christ, how he gave all that we would give all. Lord, I ask for the humility to submit to one another out of reverence for you. God, as brothers and sisters... In this room, I pray that we would have healthy relationships. I pray that we would give all of our relationships to you, that we would seek your wisdom and your spirit and how we treat one another and the words we say, that we would not hold any others down based on our privilege or based on things that are out of our control, God, but that we would use our privilege to love and care for those who do not have the same as us. God, may we feel uncomfortable when we take advantage of others. May you convict us of our sin that we would submit to one another out of reverence for you. We make our prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.